Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of We Earth Radio, where we have conversations that make a difference. We're committed to bringing you leading edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. In our programs, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome, welcome everyone to We Earth Radio. This is your host, Michael Stone. And I am thrilled to have Bill Pfeiffer on today. He's also known as Sky Otter. He's the founder of Sacred Earth Network, which has implemented leading edge visions for almost 25 years. And in that time, Bill made Russia a second home, having traveled there 44 times, giving him a rare cross-cultural perspective. He's also spent 25 years of experience in re-evaluation counseling and Vipassana meditation and has undergone extensive training with Siberian shamans, as well as with Joanna Macy and John Perkins, two of my very dear friends. And he's also spent much time in the US Southwest learning about native medicine ways and the crucial importance of the petroglyphs and pictographs. And you can reach him at billpfeiffer.org and we'll talk about that more later. Bill, welcome to the conversation. Good to be here, Michael. Yeah, very good to be with you. You know, the name of the book, Wild Earth, Wild Soul, a manual for, for an ecstatic culture. Talk about what a ecstatic culture would look like to you. Well, I believe we know in our hearts and our DNA exactly what an ecstatic culture looks and feels like. And I think we have thousands and thousands of years of experience and we just have some temporary amnesia. The most uh, important qualities that just pop into my mind are deep connection, even oneness with the natural world, and the sense of the numinous, of the spiritual reality of life. Uh, something that I'm guessing you, and I know for sure myself, we just were not brought up that way. And so it's been a remembering process that that I believe and is very sort of enjoyable is it's accelerating like I'm learning more let's say about shamanic ways in the last five years than I learned in the 60 prior yeah I was raised in uh, a military family so uh, uh, it was far away from an ecstatic culture or even a uh, earth-based uh, culture that was you know earth I was in the air force everybody was in the air way in the air <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how we can begin to break away this uh, from this environmentally unsustainable past and create a culture that that actually works for life itself that's the big question and that everybody who is uh a caring human being is asking themselves that question and there's lots of different ways to approach it. But, but for me, our destiny is in our origins. So it's very, very important for us to 
to take our origins really seriously and not just in an intellectual way, but in an experiential way. You know, you started off by just mentioning the word ecstasy and I want to, I want to insert that ecstasy is not bliss. It's, it's oneness with our experience, whether it's pain or pleasure, we're completely present. We're with reality completely as it is. And it's that kind of vibe, if you will, that is so, that sort of perception, which is so absent from the dominant culture. So for my money, my, <laughs> you know, it's like, let's really re-experience ecstasy, both individually and in community, as a practice and as a way of life. Like in other words, the reason I wrote, wrote Wild Earth, Wild Soul is simply because I saw a lot of people talking about these things in sort of a theoretical and kind of like fancy, a, a sort of fancy intellectual way, but not really kind of getting down and saying, what does this mean in my body? And so that's, so that's the way I look at it, just from, individuals and community taking the ecstatic and I'll say shamanic experience really seriously and taking it to heart and not not being frivolous about it but saying you know let's really get down with this stuff and learn it and 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 finally to close out this little chunk to expose a lot of people to something so genuine so authentic and so attractive that you can't but help but want to join in because it's, you know, it's just, oh, I remember that. That's that's a beautiful way to live. Mm, that's beautiful. I want to back up to something you said that just really perked me up a little bit. And that is that destiny is in our origin. Now, you know, as someone who works a lot in trauma, we would say that trauma unexperienced and unintegrated uh, trauma is our destiny. So when I look at the word origin, I go, we're going to have to go way back in our ancestral lineage to get to the kind of origin that I think you're talking about. And another thought about the word origin as in original or the creativity and birthplace of something that's that's a whole nother area so let's let's take that apart a little bit because i think it's a rich uh, field that you brought up yeah that's that's awesome i'm i'm glad you kind of drew that that timeline distinction uh because yes indeed i'm talking about something that i've experienced from time to time which is primordial. It goes way, 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 way back. And it's a, it's a sense of, yes, aboriginal. It's, it's a genesis. It's the beginning. It's, a, it's creative, extremely creative. And it is informed by the intelligence of earth and stars. And it's that sort of <laughs> perspective that is so much larger than anything that you know we read about in the news that I, I I have this deep sense that we're 
you know, we're we're moving back towards certainly at another rung on the on the evolutionary ladder. You know, we're not we're, we're never going to go back to exactly the way it was, but that direct experience of reality. This is just a, you know, a, a, a sentence that comes to my mind as it is, is uh, I, I, it's our destiny. And also uh, my sense is that it's, uh, it's going to solve a lot of problems and that you and I at this moment are, are, are working on it because we're, you know, we're sort of both of us because of the, of the, um, experience that we're bringing to bear are sort of saying, this is really, this is a very important dimension of reality to, again, take seriously. And I know that you started out mentioning trauma, and I want to say I take trauma very seriously too, first and foremost in myself and have done a lot of healing work as I think many of your listeners or most of your listeners. And so we can't bypass that and that it's extremely important that we see the huge filter that 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 lens that we're that we're seeing through and trying to sort of clear the murkiness of trauma so we can see this clear reality that is ours. And just to do one little more run on sentence here, I think one of the most amazing things that Jung said was that he said, you know, something to the effect of pathology is treated first and foremost by the experience or the the felt realization of the numinous. So what he was saying is, you know, you can help people so much with their trauma if you can give them a sense of the numinous and it get, as we both know it gives you a tremendous amount of perspective on your trauma when you have felt the larger spiritual forces that are everywhere yeah brilliant i love that you know when i started this show my goodness it's been probably 17 years ago and i was having more environmental people like joanna and joanna macy and Bill McKibben and Richard Heinberg and all those kinds of people on Brian Swim. And, you know, it evolved to more social justice and then more into more spiritual feeling that it's going to take a spiritual awakening to really see anything happening. Right, right now, it's, it's difficult for those of us who see what's coming to see how little is actually being done after 40 years. I mean, I've travel the world covering climate change. And I got to a point about three or four years ago, maybe five, that I just, honestly, Bill, I said, we're screwed. You know, we really are screwed. And it was about that time that I heard Thomas Hubel say, we're swimming in a sea of trauma. And I went, oh my God, that's so true. That is the linchpin. That is this issue which of course I've been deeply, deeply immersed <laughs> in working with trauma. I mean, I, I was working with my own, but when you realize that there's personal, familial, cultural, ancestral, intergenerational, no one gets away from trauma. No. And, and trauma is 
at the heart of separation and separation is at the at the the myth the lie of separation is at the heart of all suffering and all destruction and so I, I, i'm with you 100 <laughs> percent. yeah so i mean it's uh, a lot of people say well i didn't have any trauma i had a really good um that it doesn't matter you're swimming in it you're connected to it and so um I'm wondering how taking people out, let's talk a little bit about the work that you do, you know, take people out in the wilderness and uh, get in touch with that numinous experience that you're talking about. Talk a little bit about the work and, and how you've been doing that for so many years. And, you know, your book is a manual for taking people out into it. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know, what was that? Uh, there's that saying about, so it, it, I'm just paraphrasing it. It's sort of the, whether I'm an optimist or a pessimist is what day it is, when I get up in the, you know, what kind of morning I'm having. Um, so we don't know what the future is going to look like, but I certainly agree with you that, that on a data level, on a scientific level, on a rational level, I agree with the um, conclusion that came over you five years ago. We are really screwed that it's uh, that humanity is, uh, how would I put it, is headed for COVID will look like a mosquito bite. And so it's important not to put a lot of energy into that, but to understand that is a possibility. So you, you know, you asked me essentially my work and my response are the, are the same, same thing. And so you mentioned out in the wilderness. And so, you know, one thing is a vision quest. Another thing is a, a wild earth, a wild earth intensive, uh, which is a 10 day program where we experience the core of that ecstatic culture. Like we practice it. And for all of the things that I've done, it's the most real, it's the most authentic and it, it's the richest because our, our common humanity comes up in the, in the face of remembering our origins. And I find, you know, I find that to be one of the most fulfilling things in life is to, especially when young people are provided an alternative vision for their future and how they might live in a, in a good way. And then as we saw throughout the shamanic summit, which I just loved, is we have living elders, living traditional indigenous momentum, if you will, or river, river of wisdom that we get to draw upon so that we're not having to sort of figure this out completely. Those of us who've, who've come from that super traumatized Western background so that we have these native elders to help us out here. But ultimately my work asserts that by deeply communing with the natural world and listening, and I'll repeat that, listening to each other's humanity, we can remember how to, yeah, how to remember how to live here again in peace. And that I, I don't just believe it, Michael, like I've experienced this so deeply enough times so that, I mean, obviously I have no idea what the future is going to bring, 
but it's such a it's such a felt reality for me at this time that you know that's what I I'm like let's just get get with the program here and whoever wants to join the party gets to join the party and whatever will be will be and as Joanna Macy who you've mentioned a couple of times you know God bless her like she would say let's live for the beauty and gratitude that life is giving us at this very very moment right now that we're alive right now so this is our opportunity to give it our best shot yeah it's beautiful joanna also would say which i've said many times the only way through is through so you might as well get on (laughs) you know i i spent 30 plus years in the corporate world as a consultant working with people And I used to tell executives in organizations that you don't listen, you never have listened, and you never will listen, (laughs) Uh, just to get their attention. But it's true, because we are listening through so many filters, so many ideas, so many belief systems, so many different worldviews, you know, uh, different cultural views, that the best way to listen i found is not just with my ears but with my body because there's some a different quality of listening with your body because right now you're over there in on the east coast i'm here on the west coast uh and and it looks like there's this big distance between us i mean we're on zoom so we're seeing each other but in another sense that you're 3000 miles away, but in another sense, you're actually showing up in my nervous system. And my nervous system, the capacity of my nervous system is the extent to which I can actually hear you and see you and feel you. Because you're, you may be a particle over there, but over here, you're a wave in my system. So it comes back to our own development to listen. So I'm wondering your thoughts about that. Well, I'm just gonna just say right away, I hear you, brother, and I feel your heart and I'm with you. And this is how we, you know, we change the world in that way through uh, through through our, our listening hearts. And I wrote a whole chapter uh, on that. And, uh, and, you know, I think the, <laughs> the key word to listening is pause. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just before you say what you have to say, take a pause and see if you heard, you know, what this other person said. And I think that's the beauty of talking circles, speaking of Native American, particularly wisdom that has made its way into the broader culture is like, hey, pass that feather around that talking stick take your time, listen with your heart and uh, see the magic that happens. I mean, you know, I've been in a thousand of them and uh, I don't think I'd actually be speaking with you today if it wasn't for, for talking circles, for sharing circles done, done in a good way. Yeah. And I, I guess one more piece I would say is the importance of listening to our own listening. Our <laughs> listening uh, I think is prior to actually being able to uh, listen in a way, I guess I'll bring in one more piece there because, you know, there's a thing in psychology, I'm sure you're familiar with it, is negativity bias. Mm -hmm. 
that our actual ability to listen because of our cave dwelling ancestors actually in some ways is to listen for what's wrong. So two thirds of, of what we take in or what we put out is generally influenced by our negativity bias. So that's one of the areas I think is really important to notice. How am I listening to this person? Am I listening? Can I trust them? Uh, are they full of, you know what? To, to be able to get through the filters again, to be able to, as I said, listening with my body is uh, I found to be the most powerful uh, way because then I can actually feel their emotions and feel sensations in their body as well as in my own. So just to add that other piece, anything else you want to say about that? Only that the deeper that we connect with nature and the deeper we connect with other humans and the deeper we connect with ourselves and it's all going on simultaneously, the better listeners we become. It's a part of a, a, a kind of building on various levels of awareness. So I see it as you can't, re you can't really have one with the other, only our minds separate those three things, but it's all one evolving process. So when we're seriously paying attention to somebody, we're also paying attention to nature in its broadest way, and we're paying attention to ourselves. So, you know, Eckhart Tolle's right, you know, it's all about presence and, and getting deeper, deeper, deeper into embodied presence. And, and you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> it may take a few lifetimes for me anyway. <laughs> the, the term uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's, uh, uh, Hans term interbeing comes to the mind when we're talking about this is such a great thing. One of the words that, you know, sometimes words jump out at me when I read someone's book, you used a term called holding actions. And I found that to be a big territory that uh, when I looked at that as a, as a lifelong uh, environmentalist and person working on issues and, and seeing right now, you also mentioned COVID, COVID may, you know, may, you, you said COVID will look like a mosquito bite or could, 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 possibly, could. could possibly, yeah, I don't want to, I, I want to get that in the right context, but where I'm going with that is that what's happening in the geopolitical sphere right now is this huge amount of intention, attention, and controversy around how to deal with COVID. Shots, no shots, passports, no passports, mandatory, not mandatory, and it's a smokescreen. And, and uh, you know, I talked a little bit about this with John Michael Greer last week that, that the people that are in power know things are coming but have not a clue of what to do. And one of the problems often with leaders, particularly leaders who are extremely traumatized, like the recent president of the United States, they don't ask for help or support. 
So I'm wondering the, the the term holding action. I think that that's that everything right now is in a holding action, and the holding action, uh, the the fog has been all around this issue of COVID, which many people have had and said uh, it wasn't even a bad cold, but we're being pounded with these numbers every day and the fear every day, and yet everything in the environmental, in the social justice, in the economic disparity, in the economic system that's, that's a perpetual growth machine uh, and extraction machine based on limited resource or, or ground, you know, with limited resources. How do we break the holding pattern? Well, <laughs> I mean, as you, you, you know, you've asked me about my my response so as far as looking at things globally we can we can yell a, a lot about the things that bother us and and so i like i like that list that you just you just listed because whatever way you look at covid it is one in a sense micro issue in in a in a in so many that are happening all over the world and so to give so much attention to this issue to me is really really anthropocentric and so my my work is very much around let's open this up to the to the larger picture here and feel and really feel into nature you know, I want to I want to bring this back to the territory that I know best, which is all the indigenous prophecies point to this period as being tremendously crucial. And we might look at it as a kind of you know, the, the, the analogy of the lifeboat, which is or uh, what were those societies called in the Middle Ages that essentially it's a, a preservation of the most essential knowledge that humanity has, the wisdom and knowledge. And so I look at it, you know, it's interesting. It's like this, this kind of Noah's Ark, but in a, in a very different kind of way of, of I mean, not so, <laughs> not so Disney-esque, but just the kind of what are we prepared to preserve at all costs into the future for future generations. And so what comes to my mind right now is, is no dapple and standing rock and the protection of the water. It's like, we gotta make a stand somewhere. So they, we made a stand at standing rock for the water. And so to me, the holding action is that, or the holding actions is pick your area, is it, is it starving kids in, in somewhere in the world? Is it extinct species that are threatened or going extinct? Is it racism? Pick it, pick an area and jump into it and go into it full, you know, full scale. Because if you try to look at the whole thing, you know, you can get buried in despair. So pick your area that you feel juiced up about and that gives you, and this is important, Michael, that gives you a person, that feeling of connection to source where your inspiration lies, where you feel like, I know I can make a difference with that. 
and jump into it whole 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 hog yeah yeah no i love what you're saying that's that's brilliant and as you're saying it i'm thinking you know to take it out of this tsunami that right. we're looking at and bring it home it's really at one level it's asking what's essential in my life what is essential in my life and i so so to take it out of the oh my god there's so much you know well what is essential in your life because it's not in your life it's in life because we're right. in life yeah and and life obviously wants to live it's been carrying on the dance for a long, long time. <laughs> you know, that's spot on, Michael, spot on. Because when I was doing a, a, a shamanic course back in the 90s with John Perkins, I remember, you know, just being really, uh, you know, downloading all this information in new ways from him. And, you know, he was he was channeling this stuff from mostly from the Amazon and from from the Peruvian Andes. And so I'm coming back from the airport one time and all of a sudden, it's just what you said. It's like I said, yeah, I'm going to give this all I've got for humanity. But this isn't about humanity. This is about life. This is about life in its totality. And so getting behind life is the most joyous, ecstatic, amazing game in town and each person can get involved in the life force in whatever way they're gifted with whatever floats their boat and an, another thing that that came to me as you were speaking was about the false dichotomy between sort of service and let's say enlightenment or some sort of personal fulfillment that that in a in in the in the one life perception you know we're it's the same thing you know it's it's one it's one and the same thing that we're we we naturally take part in service but not in in any kind of altruistic sense it's it's a it's the natural our natural impulse as being part of a part of life in the same way that if a kid runs out in the middle of the road, we just, we try to swoop him back in. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I think, you know, one of the issues in that just to elaborate a little more is our relationship to our interiority, to our interior world. That's a priori to doing the work in the outer world that we have to be attending to and there's so much stress and tension and anxiety and it's literally a physical contraction of the interior you know when you take people out in the forest they they breathe and they open they open their body and you know they're they can really be with the the stress but we're again inside the trauma we're so there's so much tension that to not have some kind of meditative practice, whether it's sitting, walking, dancing, contemplating, prayer, whatever that is, to attend to the interior life, we're not going to be able to make much difference in the exterior world. 
Yeah, agree with you 100%. And just to say that it's so <laughs> it's it's so easy to relinquish personal responsibility and sort of say if only this person on the left or this person on the right or this leader or this group and I could go on for the rest of the show if only they would change like everything would be okay and obviously we know that if we don't change and I'm talking about me here right now if I don't change and and grow and expand into this greater reality we're talking about it ain't gonna happen and so first and foremost is is that attention to interiority you're speaking of I mean I I just like to me that's sort of like we sort of got the concept back in the 60s but it's taken a while to own it and to make it a like a daily practice this is up to me not only me but it's up to me and you know so I, I'm I'm with you what was the other part of of what you said there was something else in there that I that that oh I know what it was a meditative practice uh-huh yeah right yeah okay so this is you know this is something that I want to you know I kind of I want I I sort of made a mental note I want to make sure that I cover this with Michael because it's been so important to me you know it, <laughs> it's like you just got finished busting your ass doing this shamanic summit and bringing to the attention of whatever a few hundred thousand people that sort of perennial deep aboriginal wisdom that i see as as our as our 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 solution here our medicine it's our medicine and 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 so for me you know i'm looking at looking at you right now and you, it looks like you have two drums on either ear uh, in, in, in the screen and it's like I go into my yurt with by myself or with other people and that's the core the drum is the mother it's the heartbeat it's kind of getting back out of this head on a stick as Joanna would say and getting into the heart and listening to the ancestors listening to the spirits and that's you know that's where i that's where i invest in the stock market you know and that's what really that's what gets me that's a foundational practice for me by myself and with other people you know and it's a hundred thousand years old at least so I guess I, I, I want to I want to say one other thing about that, which is that, you know, when the Church of Rome and, and whenever the sort of dominator perpetrators, colonialists, whatever you want to call them, uh, who are who are also us in the largest sense, largest sense, the, the perpetrators and the and the victims are all part of of this one very wounded humanity is like, what did they do? The first thing they did, and they did it recently in the Soviet Union, uh, Russia and the Soviet Union, is take the drums away. So, you know, the big, I want to make this big plug, and it's certainly happening, but I just want to make a big plug for 
getting in there with the drums, like getting out of our heads and doing shamanic drumming and doing group drumming and, you know, kind of taking that seriously. Like I had a buddy who just came over to this land and he brought, a, he brought in a, a mother drum and, you know, we were all, there were like a dozen of us who had our batons or whatever you call our beaters and we were singing and it was like, that was enough, that was a primal experience. And so when we're experiencing that, Michael, we're in the flow, you know, and I want, I want that flow state for everybody. And, you know, like when we're in the flow, we're not worried about anything. And, and we will, you know, we can meet our maker. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so kill me. Uh, I'm, I'm with my, I'm, I'm with my, uh, I'm with my brothers and sisters doing what I love. <laughs> uh, so much in what you're saying, so much in what you're saying, you know, for me, you're talking about the rhythm of life and attuning to the rhythm of life. And when we do that, and when we do that together and drum together, that's one of the ways to do it. Dance is another way, you know, I've taught Gabrielle Ross work for 40 years. Uh, I've been involved with with her work and and again getting in the body but with the beat with the energy of that that brings us together. I also wanted to comment uh, one of the things I wanted to tell you when we were talking about all the things that we have to say that if that president or that premier or that person would only do this and what I I, I always tell my groups and my classes is if you have good advice for someone, you should take it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it's good. So one of the things that I loved in your book, and if you just tuned in, I'm talking to Bill Pfeiffer about his book, Wild Earth, Wild Soul. And uh, one of the things you talked about that I loved the term I'd never heard before, spiritual permaculture. Talk about spiritual permaculture. When you countered my drumming, when you, when you, when you, what's that thing in poker where you, where you put another bet on top of it? Well, you raise when, them. You when, raise when you, them. when you raised my drumming with your dancing, <laughs> like I, I'm raising that with, with art and poetry and uh, with, with all of these things that are about this lasting, thriving culture. And so spiritual permaculture is, is really just a, it's a term that came to me because permaculture, as I was learning it, was way too one dimensional and was being taught largely, or, or let's say <laughs> there was no culture in the permaculture. It was more about, how do we, and it's extremely important, how do we physically maintain ourselves with the land? And how do we do it in an efficient way? How do we do it in a balanced way? How do we do it in a beautiful way? There's no question about the importance of, of, of permaculture as we've been taught, but spiritual permaculture to me was essentially what I had been learning from indigenous elders and shamans and medicine people all over the world. So, so I wanted to, I, I mean, 
<laughs> so much of my audience, and apparently it's it, that's true for you as well, are people who have been outraged and heartbroken by what's happening with the biosphere. And so naturally the approach has been Jesus, like what do we do about this on a physical level and what holding actions are needed in order to make sure this train doesn't go off the rails. Uh, you know, and so, um, but again, you know, the wild earth, wild soul and the wild earth intensive, which is what wild earth, wild soul is using as a, as a, as an incubator. It's like spiritual permaculture is what we practice together. And, you know, I, I think I, I'm just going to rattle off a few of these just because it's so important. Our organization, Sacred Earth Network, set up this exchange between indigenous elders in Siberia and indigenous elders in, the, in, in Central and, and North America. And so I was like a, a little whatever, you know, a, <laughs> a bird that was just like, looking out for, at this and I did my best to just shut up and 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 hear what is it that they're talking about and the more I paid attention the more these ingredients came to mind and each ingredient is a chapter in the book and I can't remember them all I don't think but it's in no particular order play vision story leadership healing did I say listening because we mentioned it before, listening, listening, and listening some more? And altered or non-ordinary states of consciousness. And I think, you know, both of us, particularly and probably anybody who's listening to this, we have very active minds. And so being able to quiet our minds, the quiet mind, that has been, you know, that has been such a teaching in you know in with with all these elders and and medicine people you know those are a few of them I'm, I'm sure there's like a dozen but my thesis michael if you will is that if we take those ingredients and we say okay this is really what makes us human did i say music and art mm -hmm. music and art let's put these all together and be together in the, in the natural world for a minimum of 10 days and we'll have a complete transformation together. And I've seen it happen enough times to know that, I'm, you know, I, this isn't an advertisement. This is something that really happens. Yeah, all of those I wanted to talk about. So I'm glad you brought them up. And I, I just want to start with play because <laughs> do know, we have time do we have time for this it's great yeah we have time to talk about at least a few of them Good. and and play you know most people don't realize but mammals learn through play that is how we learn and there's an insufficiency of playing there's a there's an overabundance of terminal seriousness correct but in this and 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 while the work is serious and uh, the inner work is hard work to do. You know, you and I have been doing it for 40, 50 years that we've been doing this work. But to actually allow ourselves to play and have fun and laugh 
a lot of people feel like I can't have fun and enjoy myself because there's so much suffering in the world. And it's like Joe Campbell said, you know, can we be joyful in the face of the sorrows of the world? Because to just add more sorrow and, and more uh, heaviness to that doesn't bring, you know, enlightenment, enlighten, lighten up mint, <laughs> enlighten up mint. Lighten up mint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So play, I think, uh, really important. And you did a great job of talking about that. And I'll just say the ones you said right now. There's, there's many in there. But art, of course, when we can overcome the trauma of being a child and being told, you know, houses aren't round and purple or, you know, people aren't green and just the, the, the massive amount of trauma around art. But art is how we unleash the non-verbal, imaginative, creative aspect of source of life. That by doing art, we allow ourselves to tap into the numinous that, that, you're, that you're talking about. And then of course, music is about rhythm and connection and harmony and coherence, which is all the stuff I work on with people in trauma is harmony, coherence, you know, all, all of those, those things. So I just wanted to put that out there. There's many more in the book, but those three that you mentioned, I just wanted to underline. Well, given your th thesis or one of your th theses that you mentioned earlier in our conversation, part of healing our trauma is remembering these cultural ingredients. So, you know, when you mentioned play, it's like, duh, we've got these wounded children inside of us. We, we, they're, they're, they're so sick of being told to be serious all the time. They want to just kick back and have fun and just be in wonder and, and be silly. And if we don't, and if we don't let them do that once in a while, we're we're in trouble. And so we've got to play. And all the things you just said about the importance of art and music as far as healing trauma. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm suggesting that these are fundamentally human, and that they are just what make us who we are. And that what this whole process is about is like just remembering who we are in our core nature. Like it's such a, to me at this point, it's really like a no brainer. And I'm just want to like, come on, everybody, let's get together and play, make art, music, connect with nature and plants and animals and sing and make ceremony and honor the earth, air, fire, and water, and everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just preparing for teaching a five rhythms class next weekend. And I, I don't know why this song just came through my head. I was I was listening to music and, and Cat Stevens came up and this line just really struck me. I was, I, I, the whole song just deeply brought up stuff from my childhood but it was 
from the moment I could speak, I was ordered to listen. You remember that line? From the moment I could speak, I was ordered to listen. It's no wonder that people have a problem listening because they haven't been able to be seen or heard. And again, that's a huge part of the work that we're talking about is that, that to, to regain I, there's a funny thing I was reading the other day about how when people get older, they get younger, particularly elders that, you know, and I had a lot of time I spent with Bucky Fuller, you know, and in his 80s, you know, he'd sit with his feet swinging like that and he put triangles over his head and, and it was so delightful and yet so brilliant, you know, that there was that same thing. And I'm hoping as elders that, uh, that we're moving into a more pay playful innocent childlike place because and again this is an important point i think that we're talking about we want to develop awe curiosity wonder as brian swim says allurement to what attracts us what is the allurement and to go in there with the ability to stay with not knowing Absolutely. And those qualities you just mentioned, those are what I think of as, what do you call it? Like, they're both a, a means and an ends to what happened when we're, when we're in ceremonial thriving culture. They're just natural as everything, you know, the awe and, and allurement. This is joy. They're just, they, they're, they're like uh, the Brahma Viharas in, in, in Buddhism. They're the divine abodes of, of being human. And so, again, what we're talking about here is cultivating this in ourselves and not being afraid because of trauma to gather together in community again. Like we have this hunger and longing for connection and and belonging, but we're also afraid because of family of origin stuff and, who, you know, whatever else happened to us in school and, and so forth. So, you know, that's part of the work is to, it's, it's good enough leadership that provides safe places for people to rebond in community. And, you know, and for my money, again, Michael, Without the nature connection aspect, it's missing something vitally, vitally important. It's not something you just sort of do in a box, a room inside somewhere. It's something that you really, you have this relationship with the, with the natural, natural world. And that was one of the most obvious ingredients that I, that I said, you know, which is nature connection. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's very important. And we have a little time left here. I'd like to get into talking also about ritual ceremony and honoring ancestors, because many people in North America have no relationship to their ancestral lineage. And, and yet that is uh, the gift of life. <laughs> I mean, it's the most basic thing. So would you talk a little bit about that in terms of your model for the um, for the work that you do? Well, it's interesting because just I think it was two nights ago I listened to uh, Heather uh, Ashimara, is it interview Mary Lyons, and you know 
the question was something like, like, what do we white folks do? And Mary Lyons immediately was like, well, you need to stop identifying yourself that way and go into your geographical and ethnic past. And that, those are my words. And that, so for instance, my mother is Jewish and my father is German. And so part of my shamanic ancestral work has been to really go deep into the matrilineal, patrilineal, the lines, and, and even go back before they were human, like just go back and go back and go back. And so I like the word that I used before, which is belonging, which is so that, that by taking seriously a kind of <laughs> like a real genealogy and a real ancestral journeying, like to really get into that, that like the marrow of it is to open up to the fact that we're just standing on the shoulders to all these people. And for that matter, the trilobites that were praying for our shining bright at this moment, at this magic moment in history. Mm. Well, I, always get, I, I always get choked up at this part because you and I both know how, how much suffering and how much work and how much pain there went into their prayers. They're dreaming for us right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Something to take a breath and pause and just recognize, you know, I, I love working with ancestor work. I had started out thinking I might be a, an immaculate conception because this certainly <laughs> wasn't my family, <laughs> but have really moved on to honor my lineage and, um, and <laughs> Yeah, well, I have some stories about that, but we're getting close to the end. And I want to, I want to, uh, really, there's so many other things to talk about. And I just want to look and see, Bill, what, what did we not say that is essential that should be said about your work, the book as, as fellow humans and as elders, you know, what is it? You know, I've talked about Mary Lyons, and every time I think of her, I think of the Divine Mother. I mean, she's just so amazing, and her laugh, and her presence, and her childlikeness too. You know, but I'm yes. just wondering any things that come up for you of how we can, you know, we live in this fast-paced, frenetic world. You know, we talk about stillness, but stillness has a price. You know, you have to give up your uh, TV dinners and some some of the time on the Netflix and, you know, but the payoff is so subtle, but so powerful. Well, this is a word I seldom use, Michael, but it's discipline. You know, what do we want? Like, what what do we want? Where Where's our priorities? And if uh, our priorities are you know, if everything we've been talking about is, a, is, is kind of a North Star, then we need to have the discipline to get on that boat in the middle of the gigantic, let's say, I'm just, the, the Pacific Islanders are coming to mind, you know, and of steering by the stars, 
you know, in a, a completely <laughs> like anything could happen at, 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 at any moment. And so finding our stillness within a certain kind of conviction and knowing of, you know, I, I, again, sometimes these things just come to me. It's like, you know, spend some time reading a little Martin Luther King. If you ever, you know, if you ever need a little inspiration, just look at, go to his quotes online. And then if, you know, ah, the strength to love is a way that the, the more we're in our hearts, Michael, the more we quiet down because we're less afraid. So I, you know, I'm a proponent of formal meditation, but I see very clearly that uh, the more connected we are, the more uh, love that we're experiencing, the more belonging, the quieter our minds are. Uh, and that uh, it's a, it's just beautiful, beautiful medicine. Uh, and, and we do it together. You know, we walk each other home. It's not a private salvation thing. Bill Pfeiffer, it's been such a delight to have you on We Earth Radio, and uh, thank you for your decades of amazing work that you have and uh, for really bringing us to really look at what's essential in our lives. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been a pleasure. Uh, a lot of uh, podcast hosts have, have asked me a lot about Russia, and I love talking about Russia, but we didn't talk about it once, and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, my friend. We will talk soon. Much love. Yeah, thank you. Take good care, Michael. We Earth Radio is an independently produced program supported by listeners like you. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, conscious evolution, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or listen to any of our past shows, go to our website, welloflight.com. Thank you so much for your commitment to a world that works for all life.